Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, it started with Kayla and you guys, but you guys came to our live stream Mm. and watched us suffer. And (laughs) now we're here. Hey guys, welcome to Lovecast, the boys love podcast. I'm your host Kayla and with me are my other hosts, Pixie and Alexa. Hello. So today we're joined by friends of the podcast, Edison and DC from the YouTube channel Fems React. And today's topic we'll be discussing is actually a suggestion from Edison. So shout out. I thought it was a great topic. It's how BL has impacted our lives. So I was telling them before we started recording that this could turn into a mini therapy session, but we'll yeah. attempt to stay on track. Attempt. That's the key word. <laughs> What's on track? <laughs> right. What is on track? But yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Before we jump into that, Edison and DC, do you guys want to introduce yourselves a little? Tell us about your channel, that kind of stuff, for the people who might not know yet. Oh, yeah. I'm Edison. We, me and DC have been doing Femmes Reacts together probably for a, about more than a year now. And we just, you know, react to the BL that we want to watch and <laughs> make non-controversial, insightful comments. <laughs> We're humorous, but serious when it counts and, and, you know, break down how we feel and we tell it to you, you know, and, and it's usually the, the correct opinion. So, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> we reacting on YouTube. We're doing some free NBLs and stuff like that on Patreon. And I even started doing watch parties over on Twitch. So right now we're doing a boss and a babe, and it's a little bit different from our normal product that we do for YouTube and that where it's just, we're reacting. We're at the watch party. It's more like 
we're all watching together. Unfortunately, it seems like I'm the only person who hasn't seen the episode yet, but everybody else has already <laughs> seen a boss and a baby coming through. They're, they're but it's a lot more enjoyable because it's more interactive with the community. Mm. Because like after every quarter of a section, pause and we talk about it mm-hmm. and it's a little bit more uh relaxed and we're making jokes and one of the characters named Cher so of course we're going to make jokes about <laughs> that <laughs> but yeah so we actually are doing a lot of stuff mm-hmm. with um, and reacting and connecting with the community and building a community of film react which mm-hmm. I saw call them the family no. <laughs> <laughs> the family, oh, the fem family. Oh, oh, no, from Edison. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I feel like that doesn't really like tell people who we are. Though. I mean, like, what are some quick ways for people to just like know who we are? Like, I think we're both Libras. That's a good mm-hmm. start. I'm a Libra too. Oh, okay. Domination. Um, <laughs> and I'm not sure what else. That's all you need see. to know. Right. <laughs> I feel like it's interesting, like, I don't know how we even got here with Kayla and Alex and Pixie in the first place. Yeah. It started, well, it started with Kayla and you guys, but you guys came to our live stream mm. and watched yes. us suffer. And <laughs> now we're here. Edison was willing to show tits to help us get money, so yes. I feel like I never really followed through. I mean, like <laughs> we we started from the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> That's how I feel about the podcast too. So <laughs> it's like coming up at the same time. Is that mm. what they call it? Yeah, I, so. I mean, we could like the first season of this podcast could just be buried. Like, Shh. let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> See, every time you bring it up, it encourages people to go back and watch more. <laughs> so, what you're um, saying is that whatever the viewers do, they shouldn't go to the first season of the podcast that's up on the internet that everybody can see right now. <laughs> definitely don't go watch Pixie's interview with Drake. No! I, I, I wasn't mentioning it this time! It's like we're doing a bingo card where we have to mention that every episode recently. <laughs> oh, God, you're gonna get people curious now. It's a train wreck. Wow, that definitely wasn't You keep talking about it. Now I have to go see it. No, really don't. <laughs> like, wow. That trauma. Is... No. <laughs> it's painful. It's, it is painful. Whenever somebody's like, don't do this. Well, I'm, now I've got to go do it. You told me not to do it. Now I've got to. <laughs> You're not the it boss of me. It sounds like my five-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Well, mom says don't do it, well. so I must go do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So back on track. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, how do we start? Do we want to, I don't know, do you want to like go around individually and talk? So yeah, we could start with our guests, whichever one of you want to talk about how spot, BL right has away. personally <laughs> affected, impacted your life. <laughs> oh, I have a story. I have a long, winding story. That mm. <laughs> so I'll let Edison go first. What? He has to. No, he has to um warm up. Oh, He's okay. loading right now. 
Like Especially for me, for me, it was like I first got into you know, I said queer, yeah, born queerness and all this other kind of stuff. Then I started getting into a lot of Western media, queer media, and it was great finally seeing okay, yay, the gayness part. But I don't know if you've watched Western queer media in the early two thousands. It was just depressing as hell. Yeah. It was just like everybody died. <laughs> it just, it yeah. was just like, there was, there was just no joy. Also, it was very white. Yes. And then you had Queer's Folk and then you had Noah's Ark, which was great for me and having representation so I can see myself on the screen. But overall, I kind of got away from queer media because it was just depressing. Then when I was in Australia, I was living in Australia, and then I was looking for things to watch. And a Thai friend of mine suggested that I watch the show, Sodas. So I think it was about 2017, mm-hmm. I watched Sodas. And I was like, oh, my God, this is great. And he was like, oh, watch this, Waterboy. And so I just started <laughs> watching these off of his how did you Suggestion. not end up stopping watching after Waterboy? <laughs> Water Boy? No, I, at the time that was Water Door. Man. <laughs> I, but you have to you have to understand like when you're watching it during the time. It's like mm-hmm. we, like when people were watching Star Trek back in the '60s, they were like, "Oh my God, this is great!" This is because you have to contextualize it mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. But if we go back and watch the '60s Star Trek, we're like. This is crap. <laughs> so um, yep. just because of special effects and stuff like that. And so during that time, like 2017, 2018, this was great because, first of all, it was a different way of telling stories. Mm-hmm. Second of all, it was a fucking love story, but nobody died. <laughs> like, it wasn't. It wasn't. But and I was really into that. I, was, I watched Sodas, Waterboy, What the Duck. I forget. So a whole bunch of other stuff. And it was really into Thai BL. Unfortunately, I had to, for me, and this is just me, this is just me. I had to pull away from it because there was a lot of colorism right. in that, mm-hmm. oh, you have light skin features. Oh, you're beautiful. That's what you are. And yeah. that was affecting me. And I'm not, just when I say something's wrong for me, it doesn't mean that, oh, everything is problematic. It has to be changed. No, I just needed to step away. Right. And so I stepped away for a couple of years. And then I saw the same friend he suggested, and everybody was talking about it on his Facebook page because he has a lot of five friends. He's high about a thousand stars. And so I picked mm-hmm. up a thousand stars mm-hmm. again and I remember my love for BL again mm-hmm. after being away for about, I guess, oh, a year from watching BL. And then I found, especially during the pandemic, a uh, Game Boy, which was, I just liked the way it was shot. I liked mm-hmm. the people who were in it and it offers me another way of t- storytelling. And it really does. It is. That being said, I'm gravitating more towards Japanese BLs Mm. and Filipino BLs because most of the Thai BLs have gotten into this way of telling a story that you're kind of, I'm kind of 
used to it. And I was like, I I want something a little bit different. Also, watching Japanese BL has helped me with my language um, classes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it offers me a different way of looking at the world and a different way of being and a different way of thinking and just a different way of enjoying stuff. So, and also I've had some tough times recently in this life, in this year. And I'm like, let me just watch some BL because it's just, it takes me so far away from here because even when I watch a lot of Western media, it's grounded here. And it's grounded in what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to deal with what's here. <laughs> I really don't want to deal with it. And just just seeing it as just being a, an escape. It's just mm-hmm. totally an escape. So mm-hmm. that's my long... Are you warmed up now? <laughs> <laughs> Me? I that you mentioned. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was going to say, it's funny that you mentioned Ty BL because Pixie has been ranting about that same exact issue for the past couple weeks about how she's really been lately drawn to the Korean and Japanese because like it brings it, something like it's there was a period where Ty BL was bringing something different and now like right. Japanese and Korean BL is bringing mm-hmm. something different. So yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I haven't been able to watch a Thai BL in months because I just feel like it's just the same thing over and over again. And yeah. The one thing that I like, the only reason that A Boss and a Babe has caught my attention and also mm-hmm. Moonlight Chicken caught my attention mm-hmm. was because they're they're, they're just different enough. Like, I'm just like, I want something different to type me off. And they just give me different enough. It's like yeah. a boss and a babe is not dr- They've, they've gotten to this point. They've gotten to this point in like the first four episodes. I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, this isn't drawn over. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I'm like, what are you going to do next? So it keeps me guessing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess also with Tybiel, since they're like, okay, well, We've been winning with this formula. Let's mm-hmm. not do anything different. Right. But yeah. you have to innovate. You have to innovate or you're just getting left behind. Yeah, I mean, and- there's always this like one show that dares to be different. Mm-hmm. And then after that, like there's 10 other shows that's copying that show because they saw how popular that one was. And mm-hmm. it's just like, can we do something else, please? <laughs> well... Then you have the Japanese BL on the other side who is just like, mm-hmm. okay, well, what if we have two people and the world's going to end? So let's just do that. Let's just have a person and one person loses their memory or uh-huh. let's have this other person who's just unlucky. And mm-hmm. it's just like all of is there, these. Is there one that's eating at a naked dining type? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, random. I have no idea what's going on there. So no, I love the Japanese BLs. I there's something new all the time. And right. I love that they are playing with different kind of storytelling and different kind of mentalities. Like it's not just it's a lot deeper. There's more layers to it. Mm-hmm. Like you see with my beautiful man, like it's it's very toxic and all of that, but it's there's a point to the toxicness, like there's a story to it. There's like cohesiveness to why they're they're like they are, and it's not romanticized in any way. So yeah, yeah, I got real tired 
of watching people in school. I'm like, mm. I'm, not, I'm not in school anymore. Can we just get out of school? Can we move out of school? <laughs> Even when you see some of the Japanese videos, like, what are you eating for dinner and the mm. pornographer and all that kind of stuff where you have older people and it's like, okay, you know what? We've met, we've fallen in love. What comes after that? Right. Like, what is mm -hmm. after that? Mm -hmm. So I enjoy that because you can only Oh yeah, high school. We're engineers. No, we're soccer players. We're still in a, still in university. I'm like, grow up. Can we graduate? <laughs> right? <laughs> the constant, I don't like any other men than you. <laughs> I think what I wanted to talk about, I think I'll just talk about like how BLs influenced me in general. And then maybe I'll go into specifics BLs later but uh, obviously for me things are different in that everything started as representation for me mm -hmm. like growing up in australia it is white centric obviously and i think all of us here have been exposed to media that reinforces particular beauty standards but also romance narratives and so discovering BL, it was kind of like, not only like seeing people like you were represented, but it's like, oh, okay, so the current structure that I had internally in terms of how I perceived love, I realized at that time, yeah, there, it wasn't catered towards a diversity of people, but also I think when you internalize things like that you carry it with you and how you approach relationships or imagine relationships so for me before watching bl like i you know i was just as a person interested or attracted to asian white and you know whatever all the others but i think there was a fear of me if i never dated a white person this, is, this probably might be controversial but i felt like i would be missing out on something or like belonging to white culture and i feel like whiteness is a commodity and access to belonging it's a status symbol in white countries and i felt like you know a lot of people maybe who grew up as immigrants or whatever it's like a form of security potentially to kind of harness that so whenever i was like thinking, okay, this Asian guy is cute, I would go, but am I missing out on something? Like, am I going to have a life that's secure for me, like, internally? Like, mm -hmm. those were, I had feelings, but and those were sort of, like, how I processed those feelings. And this always, like, represented itself to me as, like, in the form of Christmas. Like, Christmas is such a romanticized Western thing, I never really had it as a child. Like, we we didn't have the concept of Christmas. My parents as immigrants from China. Like, mm -hmm. I was like, is Santa Claus real? They're like, sure, babe. And I was like, then how can we get no presents? Like, I asked my teachers, we don't got no chimneys, is that why? And the teacher's like, no, no, you're fine, dude. And I was like, hello, <laughs> Santa Claus. Um, so, like, Christmas has been always romanticized by me because there's so many... Christmas magical romantic movies about family about love that for me I was like 
sure, I'm going to miss out on white Christmas if I'm not with a white person. I want to experience the magic and joy. So I realized that I had started deconstructing these narratives, mm-hmm. what I call decolonizing my romantic like internal structure through watching BL. And I, I didn't realize it was happening. And I knew that I wanted to, I think, watch more BL for the representation to feel seen. But also a part of me was like, I should try and, yeah, expose myself to more love narratives being so unsuccessful in love i need to potentially stop having maybe narrow views of like Mm. what i want and maybe i can expand that so there was a point in after watching bill where i was like starting to care less and less about christmas i was like i could take or leave it it is what it is it's awkward family gatherings like do i want to be a part of that like Mm. it's overrated so, yeah, I, watching BLs, I started seeing more romance stories, Asian guys together, and then mm-hmm. they looked happy. And I think for representation, it's like easier to imagine or internalize these fantasies and feeling secure in pursuing things that you feel like will work and be valid if you see a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So that's one aspect. The other aspect is obviously like, getting like recognition of beautiful Asian men like that was important to me just because you don't get represented like in that way usually Mm -hmm. in media Mm -hmm. in this attractive role and so I think Mm -hmm. it started giving me like glimmers of hope that I didn't have to fit into an anomaly in people's attractions or as a fetish or whatever, I could just mm-hmm. be liked because people could just find me attractive as I was. So there, so I started having, getting a bit more confidence in myself in that aspect. And another aspect that was like, oh, dude, like all these Asian guys are so attractive. Now I have another beauty stand to live up to. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, usually it, it's so, yeah. So now it's kind of like, yeah, I don't feel as constricted. I feel mm. like my tastes have altered and evolved. Mm. Like one of the things I noticed recently, I started watching History 3 Tracks, but I had watched one episode in the start of my BL journey, but I dropped it. And at the start, I was kind of like, this is lukewarm and the guys are okay. But then I watched it a second time and I was like, wait a minute. Like, everyone's really attractive. How did I not see this earlier? And it's just, yeah. I don't know why, but we, you start seeing more, like, mm-hmm. and you appreciate more. I'm not mm-hmm. sure how that happens. I was like, Tangy is fierce and he's fine. Mm-hmm. And Afe is like adorable and husky. And even like the side couple. Xiaoji, I did not think of anything of him at the first time I watched him, but then recently I was like, he's such a like cutie. So I don't know, like just getting to fill out the picture of mm-hmm. qualities that you don't normally associate normally. Like mm-hmm. I just can't reverse but that's like the reality of a lot of people who just, you know, grew up in countries that you weren't represented. So Bill's really like, 
yeah, opened my eyes in that way. And I think that's all I had to say just there mm -hmm. <laughs> in terms of like how representation changed things for me. Oh, but also in terms of narratives, right? Like when you watch queer shows, like DC said, for me, they were so, you know, white centric. They weren't my narratives. They were like a dude, maybe he got bullied, but he's mm -hmm. like cute. And then he gets the guy, right? Mm -hmm. And he has accepting parents. And I was mm -hmm. like, it's because you're white. Like, this would not fly. <laughs> in yep. It would not be this easy, you know? Yeah. I'm not saying like shows that had white people who didn't have accepting parents aren't valid or aren't the reality but it's yeah. for me when I was interpreting it I was like of course it's easy for you mm -hmm. so when I started watching BLs that actually started you know at first it was like amazing because there was no prejudice that mm -hmm. in Thai BLs and so that was a fantasy in which I could see Asian societies as mm -hmm. the forefront of queer acceptance like it was a fantasy I didn't have to contend with going Western ideology was more progressive. And so, you know, that was more where I should fit, like, or felt welcomed at. I finally went, these are more queer Asian spaces or queer Asian, like, concepts in my head where I could coexist, you know, as an intersectional whatever and seeing all that acceptance, but also the progress of popularity and comparison to Western queer shows. I was like, mm -hmm. Hey, hang on a minute. Like maybe things are going to be getting better for people in Asia. And, and that's really great because I feel like, you know, there's so much work to be done for a lot of people to feel accepted and watching like, narratives where you know there was i don't know if you all watched i Rev's tootsie but they had a lot of a lot of like femmes as their leads mm -hmm. watching one of them have dinner with his boyfriend with the boyfriend's mother that was so like humble and simple but the gesture of just them being able to be in that vicinity of the parent and the parent not you know and just accept them. It was, it was really lovely to see that fantasy of people in that culture be so open-minded because there's so much, I think, emphasis on having babies, like in the culture. So it's starting to imagine narratives in BLs where you can kind of shed some weight of living up to heteronormative expectations. Mm -hmm or internalized expectations put on you by culture and your family, starting to see alternatives where there is a path to happiness. I think it's important to mold those narratives in which you can coexist with your cultural upbringing and bring those things across, but then, yeah, feel validated. And that's what I got from Moonlight Chicken as well. The idea of family Jim still had everybody around him who was his family, even though, you know, he wasn't going to have kids or whatever. He still had everybody. So yeah, that's, that's my, the gist of things for me. And then I can go into like specific deals, but I should let you all have a turn first. 
We can definitely come back to like some of our specific like life changing shows and such. I feel like I definitely resonated with what you were saying, Edison, in terms of like seeking out queer relationships that felt more representative. Because even when you're watching like Western queer media and there is like a relationship that features a person of color, usually the other person in that relationship is going to be white. And so, you know, that really influences your idea of, like, okay, well, like, is this what queer relationships for people of color look like? Like, especially in the queer community, there's still so much racism and colorism. And so you're thinking the same way you said, like, okay, well, dating a white person might make it easier for me as a queer person. And so I think when I first started watching BL, I was not out. That didn't happen for, like, two years until like 2018 so like two years into my bl journey i kind of like let myself recognize and admit that i was bisexual but like you know you're always kind of thinking like why do i have this pool to like this this media that is like featuring these queer relationships and you know at the time i was super into k-pop i was watching a lot of k-dramas but like something about that asian media getting that queer representation there which was just pulling me to it in a way that like regular K-dramas weren't at the time. And I do think it was something about like seeing a relationship, even though I'm not Asian, where two people of color were in a romantic relationship together and like having that representation. And, you know, I have more cultural similarities with, you know, another person of color, whether they're Asian or another ethnicity than I would with you know, a white person in a white queer relationship. So I think there was familiarity there and and things that still felt relatable to me. And I do think like watching BL was something that helped me kind of walk on the rest of my queer journey. You know, Mm -hmm. it kind of forced me to be really introspective about why I was so drawn to this media, you know, like, I was in that like overly enthusiastic ally phase. It's like, I'm just really rooting for gay people. And like, I just enjoy seeing them fall in love. And it kind of forced me to like introspective about why that was like, Hey, maybe you're not straight babes. Maybe all these times that you were saying, you know, you want to marry X and X female celebrity, like wasn't just a joke. And so like, I feel like they all kind of really helped me and watching other like queer like GL and women media that was out there, even though it was a lot less and still is a lot less than what we have in terms of BL. It really just helped me have that introspection. And yeah, I think it was part of my career journey to a pretty decent degree. And I think that I wouldn't be like as outspoken about my sexuality and things like this, like as I am on the podcast and other platforms, mm. if I hadn't kind of come through that journey in that way. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's one of the reasons why it's, it's really like impacted my life. And obviously having this podcast, Mm -hmm. which we have because of BL, I think has really, as an introverted person, I think it's really changed the way I approach conversations. Like it's really easy Mm -hmm. for me to type things out and say them online, but like sitting here weekly and like having to formulate my opinions and words and kind of having these discussions with Pixie and Kayla about social issues or just about like what shows and stuff we like, I think has really helped me to be more outspoken as a person in general and not be so like sitting back on my opinions for fear that like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say something the wrong way. And, you know, this controversial take is going to offend someone and like, it has happened before, but like, you know, like I have people co-hosts here who work through it with me. I have like 
community that works through it with me. So like, I think it's, it's been really impactful for me in that way and like helping the way I express myself. And I definitely would not be here on this podcast if it weren't for BL. So I think that is a big impact it's had for me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the podcast has been like a huge part of why of how the journey has moved along. I mean, I came into this BL world as a white cis het woman. <laughs> and I came into it because of the storytelling and experiencing stories that had less misogyny in it, like it felt safer. It just it was just it's a safe place to be, it felt like. And during that time coming into it, I sort of had to like face my own biases with my own culture, my own whiteness and everything. Like I still remember the day that I realized when I look at Asian people as an example, I couldn't recognize details. It's like, it was sort of like when people say, oh, all Asian looks alike. And I, I was horrified that in my eternal like biases, because I just see white people around me all the time, I couldn't like distinguish Asian people from each other. And that was mind blowing that I, the fact that I didn't know that I had that going on was crazy. So for me, like this whole thing has been sort of a way to understand different cultures and understand different communities and get over myself, sort of, <laughs> if you know what I mean. I And also during this podcast, I had like, with all the discussions we've had, I've sort of gotten the safe place to sort of walk outside my own box because... I've been surrounded by straight people, white people all my life. I've never had a discussion with anyone about anything related to the queer community. And now that with this podcast, I got to do that. I got to discover a lot about myself and understand that maybe I'm not as straight <laughs> as I thought. And, <laughs> and with that, <laughs> and with that came like the discovery that I'm asexual. And just the, the freedom that gave me, like, it was, it was like something just opened up in me that I just, so much of my past relationships about how I feel, how about my sexuality and my partner and everything, just like, it just made sense. So I just, this whole journey through BL and the podcast has just made me a lot more sure in who I am and it's by default made me happier and I can't really imagine not being here so yeah I'm getting a little bit nervous <laughs> yeah and it's getting to me so stop <laughs> stop it right now yeah so I'm really grateful that I got to be a part and being like coming into this as straight as white as yeah and being so still accepted and there like no gatekeeping like i especially 
with Lexa. I had a lot of stupid ass questions <laughs> coming into this, and Alexa was so patient and kind with me <laughs> with answering every stupid ass question I came with, and that really helped me understand myself better too. So, yeah. I'm noticing a kind of theme here, and I feel like I'm going to go along with it. <laughs> of just like, I don't know how you would word it. Just like, I guess, being more in tune with yourself due to BL, at least in part. But yeah, I, when I thought of this topic, the first thing I thought of was like the obvious impacts that it had. Like, of course, I was so fascinated by there even being a live action genre of like gay asian dramas that i wanted to make commentary videos on it so i did that and that kind of blew up overnight and launched me into content creation space and then of course pixie reaching out to me about co-hosting the podcast which in itself has been a surreal experience as like someone who i would consider myself an outsider to a lot of fandom stuff that goes on just like getting a glimpse into industry stuff definitely had to mention game boys <laughs> because yeah. bl gave me like that whole era of game boys reactions that i have like so many fond memories of i think that was the first time i made friends with other people in the bl community and specifically other Filipino creators, because I'm like pretty isolated <laughs> in my everyday life. And I think like being so welcomed by that community was, it impacted my life in a positive way. There was like a sense of like togetherness and belonging that came with that and just came with like the whole BL boom that happened in the Philippines. I felt like that was one big thing, <laughs> like one huge thing, honestly, that like had an impact that was BL related. And yeah, we mentioned maybe talking about some shows that impacted us. But of course, like Love by Chance, my first Thai BL ever came at a time when I really needed something like it. So that had a big impact on me. And some others are like Theory of Love, Until We Meet Again, and more recently, Cutie Pie. It's just like all of these shows that I took something valuable away from, and I just like found very comforting in the timing of whenever they came into my life, all like positive impacts as well. But because I feel like nothing is solely good, I was also thinking of like ways that BL negatively impacted me. And I don't like mean to be a downer. <laughs> I feel like this is gonna be so <laughs> such a downer. Maybe we should just cut it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure that you guys, Edison and DC, you can relate to this. But whenever you're like doing commentary or reactions to BL and you're a creator who doesn't shy away from discussing certain issues, it opens you up to just so much hatred. <laughs> And as someone who I feel like you should lead every conversation with humility and empathy. So whenever I don't see that happening and I see like the worst of people, it is like, it's really hard on me. I'm at like the point where I can't read the comments on anything. 
anything. I can't read comments on my own stuff, on the podcast stuff, on Twitter, and nowhere. Because just like the way that people speak to me and speak to each other is like... It, like, shakes my faith in humanity, honestly. Sometimes it makes me feel like none of this is, like, worth saving. Like, (laughs) (laughs) literally. Because it just, I don't know, there's just, like, a chorus of people, like, telling you how stupid you are and, like, how your perspective's wrong and calling you, like, really awful, misogynistic things, sometimes even homophobic things slurs like literally Mm -hmm. the worst and a lot of the time it's just because you like or dislike a show you know Mm -hmm. so (laughs) and then if you were trying to get across any important message and all of that then just forget about it because it it was lost (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so it causes you to become like really misunderstood or at least feel like Mm -hmm. you're misunderstood and people are always getting the wrong impression of you and what you stand for if that makes sense and that's kind of part of the reason why I decided to finally make a Patreon because I felt like I spent so much time curating a safe space for others mm. and I just like really wanted a safe space for myself mm. because I felt like I just by like doing that for others I took away from like my people. And yeah, like I said, that was kind of a downer, but I promise BL has had more of a positive impact on my life. (laughs) It's just like, I guess it's the same with any type of specifically content creation is you have to kind of juggle being or logging on and off, like literally Mm -hmm. and metaphorically, because it's always like a struggle to maintain your peace. But yeah. And then, like, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So there's, like, some other things I could get into. Like, I almost sometimes feel like I've personally BL and, like, I guess discussion around BL that is so deep and so introspective has, like, sometimes makes me just, like, (laughs) hate everything. (laughs) (laughs) Like, my most recent thing is that I just, like, am so done and over labels of Mm -hmm. sexuality and gender. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I don't want to subscribe to them anymore. And (laughs) that could be a positive or negative thing, depending on how you look Mm -hmm. at it with BL. But yeah, like I said, definitely had more of a positive impact. And I feel like a lot of that is seen through the podcast with, mm-hmm. I mean, like, Thailand this year, just having, like, a platform to, like, really talk about things with with other people and just, like, all the opportunities that we have gotten. I feel like it does make it worth it, but <laughs> I just get in my own head sometimes, so. It's hard, man. It's yeah. Hard like, I'm just, yeah. Like, I've said this before, like, sometimes it's hard to consider myself like a content creator because like I feel like my idea of content creator is like so very different from like what I do even though like I know what I'm doing is content creation because like we're putting content out on YouTube like that's you know that's what we do but like sometimes I forget that like yeah I guess I'm technically considered a content creator but I definitely like feel the impacts of it and like being like hyper paranoid about how people perceive Mm -hmm. my words and yeah like, especially, like, you know, we've had incidents on social media and, like, you know, the idea of, like, not 
being able to express what you want to say correctly and like mm-hmm. it gets taken a hold of and like you know next thing you know like Kayla said you're being called slurs or being yeah. called you know having your sexuality and things like that discredited so yeah I feel like you know being a content creator has helped me a lot but like there is still that like as someone who was already like very anxious about the way I'm perceived by people so much of the fact that it's like you know something I go to therapy for like mm-hmm. This has definitely been, you know, something that has impacted that negatively, but I also think it's helped me stand my ground more in, in situations like that, where in the past, like, mm-hmm. I was very much one to just quickly fold and, like, true. appease right. other people. So, like, you know, having a platform where, like, I'm able to, like, take a stand and ex- express myself and, like, stand mm-hmm. to that expression, I think, has been good. But, yeah, it's definitely, like, there's definitely parts that are, like, double-edged swords, but... Yeah, it does definitely help overall that sort of... <laughs> It helps that we sort of have each other to lean on um, mm-hmm. in situations. I know I've sort of, after a couple of incidents, <laughs> I tend to shy away from posting anything mm-hmm. because on top of everything, I'm not native English speaker and mm-hmm. I don't always have the vocabulary or the grammar to express my opinions in the right the way I meant it, which sometimes causes misunderstandings. And it's, yeah. I don't think you have to worry about that because I have two masters. I've written theses. I know how to construct argument to the point and research and all this other kind of stuff. And people still, (laughs) and it's like when people make it a point to misunderstand you. It's mm-hmm. not about what you're doing or what you're to. putting out. Yeah. That's what they want to do. They want to like, some people just get up and want to fight that morning yeah. and you just happen to be there. And just going back, it's like, I remember, I forget who the cartoonist is. I think it's Sarah something in which she's like, Oh, I like this thing. Let me go into this fandom. And then the next panel has this fandom where it's like, everybody's ah, and then she closes the door. Well, None of that. And <laughs> that's where I think I honestly think I was an extrovert, but then people ruined that for me. Now I'm an introvert. Mm. But uh, just, and it's this funny little dance where it's like, yes, I want to connect with people who like this thing that I like, but not too much because then there's like, the people who, if you don't like it the way I like this, mm-hmm. it's not just that you mm-hmm. like it, that you have to like it this exact way mm-hmm. or yeah. there's You're something right. wrong with you. And I've said it before. It's like, okay, you know what? Hey, maybe I don't like that, but it doesn't mean that that's bad. And just yeah. people internalize, unfortunately, and that's a them problem. That's not a me problem, but you <laughs> I <always> internalize <laughs> something. That I was like, oh, okay, I'm not feeling that. And then they think that you're, there's something wrong with them. (laughs) I'm like, they take it as like a person. I ain't talking about you. I'm just, it's not, and it's me talking about, I'm not feeling this and Mm -hmm. I don't like it. But I, that's, that's a them problem. They have to worry about that. And I'm not picking that up. So. I will say this, that I think most of our listeners and stuff, like 99% of them are, 
very like open to discussion that people don't have to always agree and everything we generally have a very nice comment section and very nice <laughs> social media <laughs> presence generally so but yeah but i think like we've been very open with what we think about things just like we have discussions all the time about controversial stuff and why we think what we think and the fact that it's okay to disagree yeah and like me alex and kayla are like we don't have the same taste in in bls but we've never like we never <laughs> argued to the point that it wasn't funny anymore <laughs> We have on purpose made had some funny arguments, but <laughs> but it's never been to the point where I, after a discussion, I felt like I was attacked for my opinions or that I went. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Into attack mode because I was offended by an opinion. So, yeah. Yeah, and for mm -hmm. Kayla, like, if it helps, like, your presentation of topics mm -hmm. is so eloquent and masterful mm -hmm. and succinct and so gentle. Kayla's and so well you, it, it, 
right? It doesn't come across as aggressive. It just comes across like an, like a, an auntie going, this is the right way, dears. Like, I <laughs> think I watched your romanticization of, you know, a, abuse or whatever the title was mm. called. But like, that really opens my eyes along my reactor journey because it got me started, you know, it's got me starting to think about the way, the things that I ignored that were problematic. And, mm. you know, that was, you were sort of my gateway in being like, more outspoken about these mm. topics because I was like, Kayla has a point, you know, mm. like the way she expressed it, the way she had examples. I never saw this before. And I was like, I should really pay more attention to these things. Mm-hmm. So the impacts that you have, like, is I, even for all of us, like, I don't know the impact that I have, but at least assume that it's out there because it is. Well, for you, you've got a lot more views on your video. <laughs> like, anything that we've done, but no, it was, it was great. It, just, it really sucks that there is backlash. And I mm-hmm. think it's not a perspective that I think about because. Like, I, I, I remember you talking in one of your videos about being a reactor that the way, because the way you present, because I'm cis male, like people are meaner to you. Like the comments that I get, I can brush off. Like it might be my temperament. Maybe I'm used to it by now, like after doing it for two years, but any negative comments that I get, you know, it, it shakes me for one second and then I'm like, you're beneath me. So, like, you know, people, when people have incorrect opinions, it's just like, why do I even bother? Like, I gave my piece. You weren't convinced. Obviously, it'll take time. You know? So, that's how I'm just, yeah. yeah. I kind of feel like yeah. Kayla, when she does one of her videos on topics, and like, she puts her entire soul into that video. So, I can understand that if she does get some backlash, that it hits harder. But it shouldn't because, like, I don't always agree with you. I will say that. Like, I don't always agree with what you're saying in the video, but I understand where your opinion comes from. And it's a valid opinion to have. So I think for me, and I'm just going to speak for me. And it's because for me, coming to spaces and also in my opinion, which is based on my experience and stuff like that, and to get those microaggressions, they aren't, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. For last week, for last month, I've been getting shit. And this is all, this is just an additional twig on top of my identity that I've gotten. So exactly that's that's why that's that's exactly why it has been because it never, ever used to bother me like Mm -hmm. ever. And then when I'm having a hard time in like my everyday life, it starts to really bother me because it's like, well, everything is to shit. (laughs) So, yeah, it depends on, I think, what is going on in my life, too. If mm. I feel more or less agitated by <laughs> things yeah. that I see. I get but that. Yeah. <laughs> but also I remember sometimes when I'm getting real ornery, I'm just like, you're only saying that because you're not in front of me right now. <laughs> because you're behind the keyboard and you're far away and stuff like that. And it's like, 
people get real big and bad when there's like mm-hmm. a whole bunch of space or they can do it <sighs> hiddenly. So it's like, especially calling you names and all this other kind of stuff, which has nothing to do <laughs> with what is being said. Yeah. I've sometimes watched comments or people comment on stuff like that. And I'm like, you have made up this whole story in your mind <laughs> that has nothing to do with what was right here. Yeah. Like, where is this? So, you good. So. At the end of the day, yeah. we can all recognize that okay. Kayla is an icon, no matter what other yeah. people may say. Right? Like, yeah. I feel like you're so nice. Like, I'm so rude sometimes with my thoughts. Same. I'm just I always like, feel how like I on everyone else. I always feel like I'm <laughs> nice too, but then I'm like, well, maybe so I was it? being too mean. I don't know. No, you're you're no. definitely very no. nice. You are very nice. Yes, no, you do a lot of emotional labor when you're like mm-hmm. thinking about, okay, how's this other person? I have, this, I'm, I want to express this, but then also I have to do all mm-hmm. that and how is that's you do are in too much emotional labor now and just don't i think that that second guessing of yourself is also an additional stress for you and you don't need it <laughs> yeah second guessing is my personality <laughs> <sighs> but yeah and and that is Let's how I don't know if we want to like go back and talk about some of the shows that have specific shows that have really impacted us and kind of use that as our wrap up conversation. Yeah. So like, obviously what had a great impact to me was watching Tharntide. <laughs> Since it was no listen, it was, listen, it was my first Thai BL. Okay, it was what got Ooh. me into watching Thai BL. So we can discuss the issues, which I do agree there are many, but it did impact me a lot. And I will say this, like a show like Thorn Type with the blatant issues in it, it does create, it did create a discussion in the community as a whole. And I personally feel like Mame as a writer has grown since then. Not to the point where she should be, but she like has visibly gotten better. <laughs> you can ask sometimes. At least get better. <laughs> baby steps <laughs> baby steps I'm thinking about how we we both ranked the first oh. story in <laughs> Love in the Air of 5 and then the second one a 0 <laughs> or a 1 oh, that was so funny <laughs> I was dying like first I ranked I was the first one to rank it and I was just like yeah the first story 5 the second one <laughs> And then Kayla's turn was up, and she's just like, five. Kayla just looked one. at me and was like, <laughs> and I was yeah. Dying! I was fucking dying. I didn't expect it. What no, can I was... say? What can I say? I agree. Connected. We were connected when I came to visit you guys. Out of all things from a meme show. Yeah. <laughs> That's the crazy part. 
That's the great comedy. Oh, good times. <laughs> I think for me, one of the shows that, like, as a BL fan has had, like, the greatest impact on me was probably Until We Meet Again. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the show that really, like, catapulted me into the BL fandom. And kind of like what DC was saying before about, like, them using BL as an escape from their real life. Like, 2019 was a shit year. Like, my dad died and, like, all this other stuff. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, I was, like, seeking escapism and I was, like, really looking for, like, something that could kind of, like, help me get through that. And I think, like, mm-hmm. the attachment that I got to Until We Meet Again and the story that it was telling and just, like, the actors and everything that that show had, I feel like that was the first time I really felt that connected to a BL show. And that late 2019 into early 2020, kind of coinciding with the start of the pandemic, was when I really started to seek out, like, online spaces for BL. And, like, that's kind of what brought me to Discord and discords where i met pixie and then like it kind of started like the whole catalyst of like now we're sitting here like having this discussion on a saturday afternoon for me so i think when i'm thinking about shows that have had like (laughs) the most impact on me as a bl fan like that one is probably up there and like it still sits as one of my all-time favorite bls that probably plays into it but also just story-wise like it you know it just has had the most impact for me as a story over the years so Mm-hmm. Did you like Between Us? <laughs> I made it to episode five, six. <gasps> Did you finish it? I have mixed feelings. So I get it. It's just like, yeah, I'm okay, this podcast is over. It. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> over. We're breaking up. <laughs> sorry. Edison's <laughs> starting a fight. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Instigating. <laughs> I don't know. I think it was like part of a situation where it was like I hyped it up for so long as like the sequel to Until We Meet Again and seeing yeah. all the cast again. And then like I mm-hmm. watched it and I just felt bored with it. And I don't know. Part of it was like I think me at the time, but yeah. Maybe I have to try I, starting it again. It I think new. for me, Between Us was a lot about nostalgia. I think they sort of dropped the ball because they started off sort of intense and just let it smolder away. And I think the sort of purest views of New is the reason, because he's very, like... I don't think, like, I agree that over-sexualizing BL is not a good thing, but when you literally have a story about sex friends, basically, and you on purpose take it out of the story it's just like where is the story and to be honest between us is a story that might not be the greatest to be on a tv screen considering i mean it's sort of porn with plot but yeah (laughs) at least it's porn like (laughs) (laughs) Some shows have neither, and you're like, oh, oh true. Something. Oh my gosh. Mm. I don't know. New has been dropping every show he's been making lately, and I just like, I, I used to have say, so I much really faith liked, in him. I really like my only 12%, but I think that was the one that he didn't direct, so <laughs> right? I didn't direct it. I don't know, but 
I mean, he's the director of A Boss and a Babe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Question mark. <laughs> so. Yeah, he is. I was going to mention Until like We Meet Again. And then you mentioned it, Alexa. Mm. So we're all like until we now, meet again, fan girls. Like, <laughs> yeah. So now I'm gonna mention Theory of Love <laughs> because kind of in the same boat for me. Like that was the first series I think I ever watched Off Gun in. Like I remember mm. seeing bits and pieces of Puppy Honey, but I didn't watch the full thing. Oof. Yeah, you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm going to. <laughs> but just like instantly being like so captivated by their acting, I think that's what really drew me in. And then mm. like I loved looking at all the production aspects of mm. the show since that's semi what I went to school with or for is like their major in the show and. I think that's the show that made me realize that I really love the unrequited love trope, but also like the soulmates trope, but no. also the friends to lovers trope. <laughs> to lover superiority, yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, that show had it all. And of course, I love sad stuff. So mm. it had an impact on me in that way, just because like I related a lot to Third's character. Like even... We just reacted to our old episode, and one of the characters that was my favorite was Third. And I think that's still true. Like, I just instantly connected with his character, and I think that Gunn is, like, it's one of those things where he's the only one that could have played that character. So just from, like, a storytelling and production standpoint, that show has always really stuck with me. The music in the show has also really stuck with me. <laughs> I still listen to the OST. And yeah, there's obviously a lot of nostalgia because mm-hmm. that period in time for GMM TV was, it was back in the day now. Like that was whenever it was only engineering stories yeah. and nothing else really. So that was the oh, series that brought something. Yeah, it was the series that brought, like, art gaze, as everyone called it. (laughs) Yeah, so I think a lot of it has to do with, like, nostalgia, honestly. But I think that series had a big impact on me because I just like it. Like, I think the story's good. I related to it. It had a lot of themes that I liked and just the timing was good. So, yeah, it impacted me a lot and honestly still does. I really love Theory of Love because not only was it a great story, it also, the way in which they were in art school and things like that, even though I just crapped on university stories, but the way they were in art (laughs) school, but the way that they tied in different Hollywood movies into it. And I was like, wow, 10 things I hate about you, love actually, or something else. And Mm -hmm. and those are all love stories. And also building on that. And it was just, I just think that story was masterfully done. So yeah, no, yeah, it was so good. (laughs) And that was also my first off gun. Like that was like, my first off gun, I was like, wow, these, they're great. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 
And you just, Kayla just mentioned the OST, listen to the OST. So that got me thinking about like in the movies, because that was mm-hmm. such a good one. But the one that really, not early on, not, I'm not going to pick Sodas or Waterboy. I'm going to pick, believe it or not, My Ride. And the only reason for My Ride, and this is why it has a special place for me, is because I like the story so much. I picked up the original novel. Like it, so it was a BL that got me into reading BL novels. It's like, oh my God. And so the author, Patrick, I cannot say his last name. I'm sorry. Ramos that or something like that. I started read, I read my ride. I love you. And then I started reading everything else that he's written that was been translated into English legally because I wanted to make sure that he got money or whatever. And I just didn't want to, yeah, I I really wanted to support him. And also dimples, those dimples, those dimples, (laughs) but um, the it was really a story about different classes because you have the one person who was a doctor and things like that, and then you have a motorcycle rider and just the way that they got through all that. It was the tenderness that Fluke showed the doctor. It's like. That and this is I don't normally do so. I was like, that would be nice. Like that. That I think as much as I'm like, you know, I'm single. I don't need no minors. I'm like, I don't need no money. I'm like, <laughs> that right there. That's nice. Like, even though I'm so, and it's and it's amazing how I watch I watch BL. I'll get away for an escape, but still, there's still this part of me that's jaded about relationships but that acting that story and just all of his stories have gotten through that crack i'm gonna say so yeah my ride and it just came at a point in time where as far as tie bls it was just something different because in a lot of tie bls you also saw that it always showed either middle class or upper middle class and all these other kind of people. But it didn't bring in this motorcycle rider who was from a lower class, but then also he had his uncles who were gay and living together and just all of this other parts of that story. Even his girlfriend saying like, hey, I don't want to be with you anymore because you pull. But it was these other aspects that I didn't normally see in Thai BL or in Thai BL. So yeah, I liked it. It was my ride for me. Just caught me at the right time. So I prepared a lot in my head for this discussion <laughs> for like which BL impacted me the most. For me, like there are moments where I feel really seen in a BL. Sometimes it's like these Taiwanese shows because it's like the language closest to the one that I can casually speak where the parents have the conversation of coming out and stuff. And you're kind of like, Oh, holy crap. Like that, they're almost like my parents, you know? 
And it's, it's mm-hmm. really interesting to go, there's some sort of universality to what I've gone through and I can, I'm seeing it like, because someone else is wanting to tell that narrative. One of the BLs that's impacted me in my life is, I'm sure I talked about this with DC, is the Kabakoji Nekoyashiki wants to be recognized BL, Japanese BL. And I don't know if Kayla relates to this, but it really, really spoke to me because it was a character in a creative field as the main character. Yeah. And there was a message like BLs in general, I think, or at least the Thai ones that we're used to are kind of a, an industry, like a, a fan service industry mm-hmm. built on money. And, and yeah. usually there's not a lot of life messages or messages about mm-hmm. relationships or self. Mm-hmm. This one, Nekoyashiki felt very about telling a story on just about how to grow as a person and how the interconnectedness of your self-worth and love. For me, on the surface, I can see like what the story about, but when I really connected with the character and it could be like me projecting was towards the final episodes because I just realized like Nekoyashiki or was it like Michan or whatever his name was, he was an exaggerated version of people who didn't really believe in themselves or have any sort of self-esteem. You know, we watched him have such an obsession getting on that wall and we didn't know why. Like I think in Asian cultures is a need to be successful in what you do. And I, I internalize that a lot. I want to be really good at what I do. And, and you rely on external validation for that. The wall for mm-hmm. him was a stamp of approval. And I understood that. But then there was another layer to it because at the end, it wasn't the wall's recognition. It wasn't external validation from the wall or that status. It was him wanting to believe that he was good enough for mm-hmm. Isde. And I think him having an external validator, someone mm-hmm. telling that, that he was really good at what he did. He needed something of value to start believing in himself. But even when he had that, he was struggling to maintain it. He still never believed in himself. And then, you know, there was a point where he, he flipped a switch. There was a catalyst and there were moments along the way in which he let go of not being on the wall and he found validation from within. He started drawing what he wanted to and that made him happy. And seeing him, especially from the start, compare himself to this rookie who he was like, dude, you're not on my level. Mm -hmm. Seeing this rookie in such a small time replace his position, but him not caring about it was really eye-opening because... I would have felt so slighted. I was like, my trajectory and my, you know, value and capacity as an artist is so diminished by that. But in really just finding self-validation from within with him learning how to do that and do what he wants and, you know, feel like that's enough was really eye-opening because I was like... I could totally take that journey or I I have taken that journey with him along the way in a way where, you know, I was always, even for the YouTube kind of comparing myself to other channels. But at the end of the day, I was like, I 
am happy with the content that I produce because it's authentic and it's true to myself. So that really affected me because it gave me a lot of confidence and, and gave me a vehicle to navigate how I thought about myself. I thought I needed to be successful. And I tied a lot of self-worth in that. And when I did that, I didn't think I was good enough for other people because I didn't have something in which people could be like, wow, you're accomplished. Wow, you're worthy of my time. Yeah. And so like the way he constantly rejected Issei, it was like, I didn't believe that this person could love me because I don't believe in the possibility of being loved. And there was a really big moment where Issei was on this interview and he was talking about how he admired Nekoyashiki. Nekoyashiki didn't let that process. Issei said, the person that I like, I admire them so much because they're constantly pursuing what they love. And I find that really amazing. And those words, someone loving you or someone admiring you just for trying at your passion, I, it never like was uttered in any other mediums. It never was a thought that entered my head. I always saw my career trajectory as a struggle, as floundering, as wasting time, as not being productive, member of society. And I was like, I feel like a loser. Like, why would anybody want to be with that? But oh my gosh, I like a- I just relate so much <laughs> to that character for like the same exact reasons. Yeah, yeah. There's so but finally much I can like. Say. Oh, you can say that. Oh, <laughs> Finally no. seeing, like, oh. somebody... It was weird, like, it was a fictional character mm-hmm. saying those words. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this is made up. But you know, like, deep down, that because it's there, it must have some reality to it. Mm-hmm. So knowing that somebody could just admire you for being you and not for your accomplishments, how successful you are, it meant a lot because I, I kind of was just like, I am enough right now. You know, mm-hmm. so it was amazing, like a wonderful, shining, positive light. And so that meant a lot to me, like starting to get those thoughts and internalizing them. And that's the journey that I'm taking. Yeah. I found a lot of self-assuredness in, in just kind of going, this is what I'm doing. I'm still finding my way. It doesn't matter. It's okay. People might not like that, but I'm not going to let that like bring me down or affect my insecurities anymore. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that with the Japanese BLs, most of them, there's like this substance to the story and there's, there's depth to it. And I was just thinking like, even a simple, cute show, like old fashioned cupcake had a lot of like underlying substance to it. And I think that's such a, masterful thing to do because it's so easy to just like make it superficial but if you really look at the story and really look at what the characters are going through and even how they filmed it it just there's so much there yeah especially with the main character in that show another thing that like impacted me watching it was how whenever he starts trying to, I guess, do what he really wants to do, 
there's no monetary gain to it. And it results in him, like, losing his spot where he was previously. So it's kind of like, for him, it it reinforced that idea of him just not being shit. Like, <laughs> it reinforced the, like, horrible self-esteem that he already had. Because he was like, well, see, I always knew this was going to happen. And now it is. It's like that idea of also... Maybe, like, the things that you do not being seen as worthwhile if there isn't, like, a significant monetary gain to it is something that I resonated a lot with his character and that series. Yeah, and it was, I think for Japanese BLs, they always have a message, but for this one, it was, like, I think a distinction for me because a lot of love narratives are about being saved or, like, someone true, true. kind of, like... Yeah coming in and fixing your life. And I feel like that's mm. such a high expectation and a little unhealthy. And for this one, even though the character was there and gave him inspiration, the change came from within. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that's a really important message when it comes to like redefining how we perceive love and how we perceive relationships and that we, we should start deconstructing or, or figuring out like the work we put in because I feel like in a lot of Thai shows, yeah, it's just one character has insecurities and it's mm-hmm. a constant battle of reassurement. Okay. But it's like, yeah, yeah it's kind of like <laughs> so codependent. It's like, I love you. I love you. But it's, it's never the other person going like, I know it. Like, I deserve to be loved and I know you love me because mm-hmm. I'm great. Like, it's just always, mm-hmm. it, that's the thing about. Oh, I don't want to drag Secret Crush on you down, but like, <laughs> and Billy, what's his face? When they were like, so insecure and they were like, I love ya, like, I'd never leave, never leave me. And it was just kind of like, you'll deserve each other. But also like, <laughs> it, it was, it wasn't romantic. It was gross. Like, it's just, it's, it's the codependency of insecurity. It's just not it. Like, the way to progress and I don't think people should like grow up and go I need someone to like just fulfill me because the insecurity is always going to be there it's going to be recurring the constant reassurance is it's going to wear down and I I think and yeah I just interested also in just like how you know the, the lessons are there if there are any at all like going forward in BL because I feel like there's so much capacity to make statements and explore things yeah i think i like like i hope bl will move a little bit away from this whole damsel in distress sort of way of telling a story i think there is a lot of heteronormative storytelling and there doesn't need to be but i understand why there is but i also like we're talking about in the beginning i hate like the gender labels i feel like gender (laughs) labels are for shouldn't matter if you're a woman or man on how you're treating someone like it doesn't matter why do you need to know someone's gender for talking to them what are you trying to get out of that and it's just a way on labeling people to knowing where they rank in society man higher woman lower like gay men lower than 
white men. Like, it's the labels that are just there to show who's superior. And it's all fucked up. <laughs> That's kind of why I'm done with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I completely agree. <laughs> I was going to say, kind of to what Edison was saying about the codependency. This is where I'm going to get on my high horse about my school president again. Because one of the things <laughs> that was show, like, unexpected about that show is the communication and reassurance and, like, confidence they had in their relationship as people who are meant to be high schoolers, like better communication and healthier relationship than most of the adults that we've seen in Thai BLs. And so I think, you know, the way they communicated with each other and respected each other's passions and career choices and the way they approached those was like something that set it apart from a lot of that codependent storytelling that we get in a lot of BLs. And I did not expect it from Jim MTV or a high school series in the way it was told. But like, that's kind of like one example I thought of when Edison was mentioning kind of like that codependency relationship. Cause I do agree that like the like constant need for reassurance and codependency and the damsel in distress narrative that Pixie mentioned is very rampant in BL. And like, that was one example in recent Thai BLs where I was like, it felt like it was a little bit different and kind of stepped away from that. And that I think is mm-hmm. part of the appeal for at least me. But I also feel like I need to m- mention, even though it's not a BL gap, as the impact that it's had. Like, first of all, like it's not a perfect series. I think, like I recognize mm-hmm. that, and I think most of the people who are fans of the show do. But like the impact of like being a queer woman and seeing like the first major girls' love series mm-hmm. air, and like seeing the success that it's had, and mm-hmm. the way people have taken the series in, and kind of seeing that there's a place for. GL in this community and in this fandom was like a huge impact, but also mm-hmm. like more than that, as like a bi person, and this is kind of like rooted back in biphobia, but like also just like as a queer person who hasn't dated anyone in years, let alone someone who is not a man, I think there can be a lot of like insecurity and doubt in my sexuality. And like I have these moments of like, am I just saying I'm bi to be woke? Like, you know, like, I don't know, like, you know, is this just something like I've talked myself into because I exist in such a like queer space on the internet. So I think like watching that show and specifically watching the finale and the wedding scene and just like the emotional visceral reaction I had to two women getting married and like seeing that in queer media and the way I was sobbing Mm -hmm. was just kind of like this moment of like, reassurance that like this means something to me because I am a queer woman because I am attracted to women and and, like I have this this desire to have that for myself with another woman or somebody else you know like I could see myself Mm -hmm. in that moment like you know not necessarily getting married but like having that like relational moment with another woman and so I feel like that show had like a lot of impact for me and like as a queer woman kind of just like reassurance i guess in a way and yeah i don't know i just felt like i had to talking about like shows in this genre that have impacted me i felt like i had to give i want to uh and that i want to give a shout out to bad buddy because for two reasons one for the main character's relationship you didn't see as one was you didn't have the one coded as the top one, the other coded as the bottom. It was like, it was a very equal thing. Even when they got to the end, it was like, okay, my turn now. You know, it's like, 
there was this like we stand versus kings, you know, and it, it seemed like a power balance with their relationship. But then also for me, um, and this was kind of like after I watched Pearl Next Door, which was I love that. I love Pearl Next Door, but it had milk love in there. And Edison can tell you, like, when we were reacting to it, I was like, that's going to be the side couple. I hope they're going to be the side couple. Yeah. And then. That moment of like, is the, are they actually like, yeah. Right. And then with it, just seeing that cute little stuff that they were doing, I'm like, ah! And just the way that milk love are and they just act and all this other kind of stuff i'm like oh i want that for myself and it's just a visualization of the full spectrum of queerness Mm -hmm. you know and seeing that yes i know it's bl but then guess what gay guys have lesbian friends and they also have ace friends they they have like there's these other people flock together right pixie is my ace friend hi (laughs) (laughs) and then that's one thing i liked about not me is because there were trans people in there and there were trans Mm, people with agency in there and it's like it's I, yeah, BL's great and stuff like that, but sometimes just seeing only cis men, it's great in that, okay, this is different from your regular homonormative media. So it's different in that way, but it's also in and of itself can be homogenized to only be like cis male and stuff like that, which is like, it's too much of the, and while it's being different, it's too much of the same different. I don't know yeah. if that made any sense, but yeah. So Definitely. no, that reminded me of when me and Sam started watching Sodas. And in the first, that was our first BL. And that was my friend, Sam, we, another agent, we were watching it and they were, they came up with these like two family guys who were just like gossiping about the other people. And they were really like, you know, leather camp we were like that's us like you know <laughs> seeing friends asian friends together just kind of like at the school table being mm-hmm. bitches or whatever mm-hmm. it was like so great it was just yeah like the amount of not every type of has it but like there are some bills that do have some really lovely trans characters some really mm-hmm. lovely effeminate men and I think sometimes they do give them their props, you know, other times it, it is a bit of a joke, but I think yeah. eventually we'll get to a place where we'll have more daisies and we'll have yeah. hopefully daisies that are more in lead roles. But that's something I really, you know, enjoy that I would not see it that isn't in a BL and something that mm-hmm. I wish would happen more, even with like, when I was watching Close Friend, the trailer, I was like, okay, this feels very queerer to real life. But there was a clip of them that I watched of them dancing. And I was like, none of these guys are femme. Like, they can't dance. So it, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was like kind of like, where's your femme representation or where's your like, yeah. you know, femme? Like, it's just... I just wish some people would just like snap more. Like, yeah. I, I, people I mean, say like 
stereotypes are bad in that yeah. way. Yeah. But for me, it's not bad unless it's the only thing you see in a negative light. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Lovely Writer did put like a pressure on how they cast in BLs and how yeah. they shy away from feminine presenting males or feminine males. So I think it's a long step, but I do like you see and it becomes more common as time passes. And I know like BL has grown a lot in like two last years. It's come a really long way. And I think as the fandom grows and as the call for inclusivity and and just the support for inclusivity in the shows that are already out is really helping to push it forward. So hopefully like it, it will continue to grow. But also, yeah, especially type ELs, I can't get over the sameness that is mm. happening right now. And I really hope like one of the newer like GMM TV shows or something will like snap me out of it. Like um, Dangerous Romance or Only... Friends, yeah, I know. Or yeah, yeah. I just want to like go back and just because I'm gonna probably mess up her name. This black feminist Adiche, where she says it's not that stereotypes are untrue; it makes the one story the only story. Mm -hmm. And so, if we at least have a different variant of different trans characters, femmes characters, and things Mm -hmm. like that, that's where it's not dangerous like if it's just one of but when you keep seeing the same thing over and over again people start to internalize it and say okay that's the way those people are because that's the only thing i see yeah instead of back in the day with the sitcoms and like american sitcoms with the gay best friend right And it sort of started like this wave with every like white girl out there just like, oh, I want a gay best friend. Just like, I need my gay best friend. (laughs) She was like, yeah, they're not a purse. (laughs) It's (laughs) Mm. (laughs) great. (laughs) There is that repercussion, but it also started this wave of like, which is good, like representing queer Mm. men in all different types. But then we started getting like barely any like mm-hmm. gay like flamboyant people i mean there's still like stuff like yeah. out there but it like just was one extreme to the other basically yeah. right and and the narrative of like we're just like everybody else is, is also problematic you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's fine to be different you know so mm-hmm. it's a weird balance mm-hmm. i have a such an, a battle with fish upon the sky because their only femme guy was a stalker but they had these yeah. four straight guys doing a makeover, and I was like, <laughs> "How dare you? How dare you take these jobs away from these fem <laughs> people?" <laughs> oh no! It was yeah. so rude. Like mm-hmm. you, you just had an opening there, and I get yeah. like you don't want to like perpetuate stereotypes, but like I just couldn't take it when people were like, "Oh, it's so refreshing that." those guys were straight and the people are giving the makeup it's like we get not enough visibility as it is mm-hmm. that yeah. we don't I- need I'm that i'm all for normalizing like cis straight men being feminine i mean that's fine but it's i think it's more about okay know your audience and know the genre 
rather, if you want those feminine straight men, put them in the normal het shows and not in the BL. We're actually like looking for the presentation of the representation. Well, yeah, the little bit of lovely writer that I did watch, I was like really actually into the straight couple. Like, mm-hmm. I know they're not straight, but like, I can, I'm getting an echo. Um, there was a role reversal in their presentation. Yeah. Yeah. And that was really cute to see. Yeah, I agree. I was like, I'm rooting for the heads. I mean, like, what is happening? (laughs) 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 Yeah, oh my god. It's getting close to midnight here, so. Take us out, Kayla. (laughs) Oh god. (laughs) Just off the cuff. Well, thank you, Edison and DC, for sitting to talk with us for like two hours. I feel like we could go on and on, but <laughs> because it's getting late for Pixie, <laughs> we're going to wrap up. Yeah, you can find, we're going to leave all the links to their channels, social media in the description. That again is Fems React. Thank you for watching today's episode, this week's episode, rather. <laughs> and I forget all the rest of our outro. <laughs> Like, leave a comment leave a like leave a comment. oh my god can we make another star oh my I, god i can't do this wait no this one's easier leave a heart <laughs> alexa, you hearts in the chat alexa i'm trying <laughs> you guys have to get closer to the edge Wait, I am finished. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone, Please. every everyone time, everyone grab your screenshots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone's screenshot. Post them on Twitter again. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and everyone should leave a comment and tell us about how BL has changed their yes. lives. Push that engagement picture. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm just nosy. I want to know. <laughs> that too. but yes thank you for watching this week's episode and we will see you next week bye 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 It makes a big difference here because it's like it's the difference between it gets dark at like four thirty and it gets dark mm-hmm. at like eight thirty and like yeah. oh wow. I would prefer really? the latter because yeah. otherwise I am painfully depressed more than I already am. So like. <laughs>
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.